0: This is the Internet Ballers Podcast, episode 60. This is the Internet Ballers Podcast with your host, Michael Pasha, the show for internet entrepreneurs who want to learn how uncertainty and struggle turn into confidence and success. Welcome to the Ballers Circle. Thanks for listening and welcome to the Baller Circle. I'm Michael Pasha, the host of the Internet Ballers podcast, and today I'm excited to welcome Dr. Carrie Rose from Brand Legends to the Baller Circle. Dr. Carrie Rose is an educator, entrepreneur, internet marketing influencer, keynote speaker, notably one of Huffington Post's most followed women entrepreneurs in 2017. She holds a doctorate in educational leadership from the University of Central Florida, wrote her dissertation on professional development. And is best known for her innovative teaching strategies and methodologies. Her current research is in course completion rates and connecting online course development with the science of learning. Currently, she works with entrepreneurs, online marketers, and businesses around the country to provide the highest quality of learning strategies with the greatest amount of impact on a variety of different platforms. So, Doctor Carrie Rose, I'm very happy to have you on the show. Happy hey, running to the it's baller great. circle. How are you doing
1: yeah great to be in the circle yeah I'm doing great yourself
0: <laughs> I'm doing fantastic. The weather out here in San Diego is pretty awesome. Uh, we had this uh, period of, of ridiculous rain where it just wouldn't stop. I thought I was living in Seattle for a while um, but it it did stop and the, I guess the, the positive part of it is it, it has ended the drought that we've been Having here, so I guess there there has to be, um, you know, I, I'm not a big I'm not a huge fan of uh, of rain. So, <laughs> yeah, it was a there's a positive outcome that that came from it, but uh, I, the process wasn't great. <laughs>
1: I actually have a good college friend of mine that moved to San Diego years ago, and she had she had lived in Michigan most of her life, and she was like, "Gosh, when it rains, nobody knows how to drive in it because y'all don't get <laughs> y'all don't get rain that often, do you?" It
0: does so. not happen very frequently. So yeah. so the last. Uh, the last few months, it's been uh, kind of re- just ridiculous because it's been raining like every other day, <laughs> wow. which is like, you know, just unheard of. Um, but again, it ended the drought, so I'll take it. <laughs>
1: there you go. <laughs> yeah, there's always <laughs> a silver lining. Right.
0: Um, so so uh, I wanted to talk to you about something that's really, really important. And uh, I'm glad to have you on the show. And I know that you're working miracles with course creators, helping them over uh, t- to accomplish something that's really, really been a big problem in this industry, which is low course completion rates. Um, so, But before we jump into that, uh, I want to get an idea of what your background is. So tell me about, tell me about your life growing up and uh, where'd you grow up and, and how did you get, uh, I guess, introduced to, um, I guess, wanting to become a professional in, ed- in the education industry?
1: Right. Well, sure. I mean, everything is linked, right? Everything happens for a reason and there's always a path to it. Um, You know, when I was younger, I had a pretty traumatic experience that I don't really want to go into that too much. But as a result, it left me, um, I blacked out for a period of time and then had um, selective mutism. Um, So basically, I I didn't really speak. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, at all for about six years. Um, I mean, I spoke some, but not, not a whole lot. Right. Um, and also combined with that, I've also um, diagnosed myself later in life as dyslexic. Um, so it was never really brought to my attention what the problem was, but I didn't know how to read when I entered into fifth grade. So at 10 years old, I still hadn't um, made that crossover into being literate. Um, and I had one teacher in that year make such an impact with me that I went from that child to the highest standardized test score that school had seen by the end of the year. Wow. Yeah. So the next year they're testing me for gifted, right? So it's like a complete different, uh, complete turnaround and a whole different person after one person working with me. Right. So, uh, you know, my fascination really became what did she do that others had so drastically failed in, you know, um, because by all, you know, for all the intents and purposes, I could have, um, you know, ended up being a high school dropout or maybe flipping burgers now. Um, so I went on to, um, you know, I went on to work in public education as an adult. I worked in the public school system for about ten years, primarily at um, school with very high percentages of uh, low socioeconomic backgrounds, uh, so students that were on, you know, free and reduced lunch and struggling, and it kind of became the Ellis Island of the classroom. I was like, give me every person with every problem that you have like <laughs> so i taught deaf and hard of hearing i taught selective mutism i taught auditory processing issues which is how they diagnose dyslexia now you know i taught all sorts of behavioral issues i taught autistic children i you know it was a kind of kind of a range because i wanted to do for them what had been done for me and it really began this obsession over teaching strategies And and what you can really do to move the dial, because often it's not what we think. And that's part of the the problem with the school system as it is, is we tend to perpetuate these old models, which are really, you know, more for the purpose of assimilation and control um, to great factory workers and, you know, um, soldiers than they are for expansion and development. And what we really know about learning isn't what's really being applied and that crosses over into online courses. So I was actually writing my dissertation on professional development. When I went to a World of Beer, um, and met three guys, one of whom you've already had on your show, uh, Tim Irway, TJ, oh, nice, yeah. Okay. So TJ, I lived in Melbourne, Florida, and that's uh, TJ is in Satellite Beach, which is right nearby. So he met Crystal and Jesse Jamison were there that evening. I met them, and they said words that were just fascinating to me. They said things like affiliate marketing and SEO, and I had no idea what they were talking about. Um, and of course, like, I don't like to not know (laughs) (laughs) what other people are talking about. So I really, um, I was very lucky to have their guidance, especially Jesse and, and kind of went down this, you know, rabbit hole taking online course after online course to try to discover and uncover this world of online marketing that somehow eluded me. I knew what the internet was and, you know, didn't, didn't know exactly how it worked, I guess, you know? Um, and so as that process went on, what I found is that there was a whole lot of, of people with really good intentions putting out courses to try to make a difference, make an impact, um, and, of course, have their, their finances match that impact. Um, but there wasn't a whole lot of learning happening in online learning. And so I, I saw and discovered the same problem that I was seeing you know, or that I had experienced in the public education system were perpetuating with these online courses. And for me, I was like, there's a huge opportunity here that we're absolutely missing out on um, as far as what that could mean for these people that we're serving and what that could mean for our bottom line, right? Respectively. Um, and then as I started to uncover more in the world, what I found was that an $107 billion industry, according to Forbes in 2015, that was projected numbers, right? We're now in 2017. So I have no idea what the, what the industry is this year. Um, but in that large of an industry, we have a three to 5% completion rate. So and uh, you know, 95 to 97 percent of people that come into our products aren't finishing them. Um, and so my current study is is more down that rabbit hole of of interviewing different thoughtpreneurs and different marketers that operate at really high levels. Uh, TJ actually was one of them um, and Jesse um, to uh, to see, you know, what what are we doing? Why are we missing this? Um, and what can we do better? What best practices can we put in place, not necessarily to get them to complete, but 100% to get them to see the value.
0: Hmm. I like that. That's that is really really powerful because I, you know, I've taken a lot of um, online courses, and um, yeah, be honest, some of them I've completed, some of them I haven't, uh, and I know that um, you know Tim Irway and I have talked about that as well, where you know a, a number of he, he said the same thing about you know his courses where a number of people take the course and, and unfortunately most people don't complete it. And you're like, wait a minute, you paid all this money for this course. Why aren't you at least going to finish it? Um, and, uh, Mm -hmm. so I'm curious to know, like what, what is it that, that course creators can do, uh, to move that needle? And, and I guess on the other end, what is it that people who are buying courses can do, I guess, maybe to, um, you know, move the needle for themselves? What, what, what kind of advice do you have?
1: Uh, sure. So I, I think that there's a lot of things, right? You know, it's interesting because each one of these interviews, it's like the the response that I get is almost like this exists in a silo, that there's this one thing or one thing or one thing. But what I'm finding and I'm putting together for my book that I'm writing is that there's all of these, what we call in statistics, like confounding variables. There's all of these reasons that you put together that can lead to a higher completion rate. So looking at course purchasers, first of all, can do differently. You know, one of the things that actually came out of the interview that I had with TJ was, you know, a part of what happens in the buying process is that we are satiated by the process. Like we we take out our credit cards, we buy the who's a the watch And at that point, we have now filled up the need to fix the problem. We have said by buying this treadmill, we now have lost weight, even though that's not it. <laughs> you know, We have the feeling of the accomplishment of losing weight by purchasing the treadmill without ever getting on the treadmill. And that's why a lot of people start um, workout plans and don't finish them. Uh, so I think you know, it really it comes down to a few things on the purchaser end. You have to really be connected to the why that you're taking the course to begin with. You know, what is this course going to do for you, going to do for your life? How? What is that feeling of accomplishment going to feel like? How are, are you going to be impacted by the material? And then, you know, some, some personal responsibility in there. You know, I tell course creators to add this to it. But if they, if they don't have it in there, even just saying, you know, when am I going to finish lesson one by, okay, let me put that date in the calendar. Hmm when am I going to finish lesson two by let me put that date in my calendar so that I know I have deadlines for my work and I'm held up to the standard of making sure that this comes to fruition, right? Because it's, it's not a matter of time. You know, there's something called Parkinson's law. Um, it's basically whatever you say, however long you say something's going to take you to complete it is how long it's going to take you to complete it. And it can look <laughs> a lot of different ways. Right. But if you, if you kind of uh, look at things through, you know, the war of art, at like least Pressfield says is just do the work. You know, if you look at things through that lens, you can accomplish a lot of things in a lifetime. <laughs> you know, what about in a week? You could accomplish a lot more in a week than you think you can. Right. You know, so the accountability factor there is huge. Um, yeah, so it, but moving into more of what course creators can do. Oh, my gosh. Uh, you know, what can they not do? There's <laughs> a, a thousand ways we could improve this. You know, a lot of it starts with the intentionality of the course to begin with. You know, and really, um, really looking at the people that you're creating a course for, and and TJ does do a great job at this too. Um, Really looking at the target demographic, looking at doing proper research. But then at that point, before moving into course creation, um, one of the things that I recommend to all of my clients is to write the copy for the sales page before they create the course, Hmm. and. What I mean that by that isn't that you're going to take that copy later and sell the course, or even that you're going to go sell the course first. You know, if you want to do a funded proposal or if you want to do the course created and then you know have people go in, that's that's your your method of choice there. But having that intention of what you are promising them and keeping really true to that creates a great deal of congruence throughout the course because what happens now is we tend to create these products. And then we work with a copywriter, and their job is to sell. Their job is to sell the people based on the feelings that they're going to have once they complete it. But they don't take your course, and 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 they shouldn't. You know, some of these courses are way too long. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, you know, you're not going to get somebody to do that. I think that's a whole different a whole different ballgame. But if instead of relying on them to know your content, if you write the promise first and then give them the promise and say. Now, you make this in words that make sense, you know, and that will sell. Then I think you're going to have a lot more congruency than approaching a copywriter afterwards to sell something that they're only getting you paraphrasing about.
0: Hmm. Right? Okay. Okay. So, so, so when, uh, let's, so if I'm, I'm creating a course, um, what sort of research, research should I be doing ahead of time, uh, to make sure that I'm, I'm either, so I guess is it best to like, figure out who I want to target first and then create the course based on that or create the course and then figure out who this fits best for?
1: You should always know who the people are okay. first.
0: So I do my research. I, do, I, I find out my, my target market. I, I create the course based on what I think those people should need. Um, in, in that process, I guess, what, um, what process would you take a course creator through? What, what, what questions should they be asking themselves or even asking their audience Um, to kind of hone in on, uh, the best way to, uh, to create the course.
1: Sure. And and you touched on it and there's two major, you know, major ways to go about this. One of course is the, uh, the ask method, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Ryan, Ryan Levesque does a great job of outlining that. And I don't want to take any of his content, but he really goes through in his book and gives like really great, uh, proper way to set up those surveys to really ask your existing audience, um, you know what they want, right? And looking at his method, what I'm seeing now, which is a really dangerous thing, I think, is I'm seeing kind of bastardized versions of this method um, <laughs> being used. And, uh, well, to be honest, you know, um, he is very specific in there that you have to have what we call in statistics, you know, a sample size representative of the population, but you have to have enough people that you're asking these questions to to make any kind of like basis of determination on, mm-hmm. right? And I see. I don't know how many times on Facebook where people are like, "What should I do?" or "What should I sell?" or "You know me." Da, da 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 Whatever they're asking their questions, but they get five responses, and one of them's their cousin, and one of them's their sister's friend. Like none of them know about their business or who they are or what makes sense, right? And so you you got to ask the right questions to the right people. If you don't have an audience, there are definite ways to do market research. Um, the best way is really to go and look at what's already existing. Um, you know a lot of people get held up in product creation around the idea of you know I have to to be different or there shouldn't be a lot of competition in the marketplace and what we know about competition in the marketplace is that's awesome. Um, you know like a fisherman doesn't buy one kind of tackle. a cook doesn't buy one cookbook. they buy lots of them, right? So mm-hmm. you want to go and start looking at what's already existing and the types of content that they're putting out so, you know, you can go to a local bookstore if you'd like and, and start to look at what's being placed on the end caps, what's being placed outward. And this is going to give you a really good idea of, you know, what's being marketed because those those choices in bookstores aren't haphazard. Ha- ha- they aren't just placed on bookshelves. They're placed specifically because somebody did the research already at their you know, enterprise level business to determine where these spots go. So that's like a great thing to like look at to begin with the other thing is if you're online, Amazon is the perfect place to start. Let's say you don't want to go to the bookstore. Amazon can give you a lot more information anyways, but that's just like one thing and one one piece of it, right? But if you start looking on Amazon, look for books and content related to what you're interested in putting out and see what's already out there. Look for reviews, look for books with large numbers of reviews. And then specifically, once you go into the reviews, you can like highlight over the number three for the three-star reviews, click on those. Hmm. Um, And the reason is, you know, five-star reviews, you know, a lot of people review books and such for their friends, right? Um, So they're like, oh, this is great, you know. If you look at the three-star reviews, what you're going to end up getting is is a more complete picture of what the consumer was thinking about when they rated the product. So usually on three-star reviews, you can start to see gaps in content. You can start to see... You know, people saying, or Sally saying, you know, I really wish that in this book on soap making that they had concentrated more on organic, um, you know, materials and creating your soap at home. Right. Or you can start to see places where people would be like, well, you know, when this person was uh, talking about making soap in their book, they only talked about it in this unit of measurement. And I wish they'd use this unit of measurement. So you start to see like places where it's like, oh, you know, I should have done it differently right? Or they could do it differently. So where can I add the value into it? Right.
0: Hmm.
1: Um, And then you can go further from that. Like once you have, you have their names at that point, you start Googling them. Like, are they really an authority figure in the space? Right. You want to figure out those kinds of information. And if you've got good authority figures in the space that you're looking at and they've already considered the marketing, right. You can go to their website. You can opt in for their funnel. You can look at what they have already. So you, at that point you're looking for gaps in the marketing and gaps in the funnel and ways that you can improve.
0: Okay. I like that. So let's talk about uh, let's talk about Brand Legend. So Yeah, yeah. What <laughs> what, what what exactly is Brand Legend and um, who who's right who's the right uh, audience for Brand Legend?
1: Sure. I, you know, we we do help all sorts of people that are looking to create online courses. I mean, that's really our 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 focus when we started you know, the two of us, uh, LaShawn Curb and I, he has a really strong multimedia background, photography background, um, and, and web design background, and then internet marketing background. And, and, you know, of course, I've crossed over in internet marketing and to social media as well. But it, we really started to focus on, like, what do we have that's unique? And what do we have that um, that we love doing? You know, and I honestly, I love creating courses. It's absolutely my obsession. Like I said, with my background, so we've niched down to just that. Um, even though it's called Brand Legend, we really focus on how does your online course, real, you know, support your overall brand mm-hmm. um, and and enhance it. Right? It, it's all. Nothing exists in a silo. It's not just one thing. This is a major part of your brand if you are an entrepreneur, edge marketer, and, and that kind of realm. Um so ideal clients, you know, some of the people I've worked with, um, and that I absolutely love, uh Jay Bear of Convince and Convert is absolutely one of my favorite clients, David Muirman Scott, who sells from stage at Tony Robbins Business Mastery, um, Anthony Trucks, former NFL player, these are people that I absolutely love, love, love working with. Um, because they've already created a course and they see the value in what it means to make a, a, a better course, to make something where people make more of an impact with it. Um, and to make something that, uh, you know, is really transformational. Um, so, and you know, make sure that they can complete it. You know, I've had clients get up to 90% completion rates. Like I said, the industry average is three to five. So it's like a huge difference. Um, so, yeah, that's generally where I, uh, where we work with and who's in our wheelhouse. I do have an online course for beginning course creators as well. So there's that.
0: Okay. So what yeah. what, what are typically the things that move the needle in uh, course getting course completion rates uh, moved up?
1: Sure. So one of the major things that we look at is we tend to do what's been done, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Are you a parent at all?
0: I am. uh, Very, very newly. I I have a son. He's uh, six weeks old right now.
1: All right. So you haven't started into this phase yet, but I have a 13 year old and a nine year old and and something I swear I never said I'd say I end up saying I I sometimes say to them, you know, like, well, it's good enough for me. So it's good enough for you. You know, or like this is the way my parents did it. So it's perfect that I'm doing that. Right. Um, And we tend to perpetuate things. We tend to like do what's been done and we do that a lot with education as well. Um, And so when we look at online education, we're, we're just saying the same old stuff that was already done to us in the school system, but it didn't work for children and it definitely doesn't work for adults. Adults are self-selected learners. You know, we, we decide what courses we're going to buy. We decide what courses we're going to finish and we decide why we're in it in the first place. And it's really up to us to, to make that choice. And and it's up to course creators to really respect that choice. Right? So Mm -hmm. this process in order to do it is really, um, it's not difficult but when you start looking at like well how do you how do you allow them to choose right so like you know because if, if you said to me you had a 25-hour course with 40-minute videos each i think i'd lose my mind i think that <laughs> that doesn't interest me at all right right um But if you tell me your course is like an hour and a half to three hours and you're going to get all the information that you need to know to make, you know, 10K in your business in the next week, well, now that's a different story, isn't it? Hmm. (laughs) You know, like I can do that. Sign me up right now. Um, So that's a part of it. I'm looking at more now having people encouraging them to create their content as more of a continuum based model. So this is more like looking at your business overall so if you have a business where you are instructing others looking at your content from start to finish from the time that your customer enters into your ecosphere to the time that you've taken them as far as you can take them without like affiliates right um all through that process what does that journey look like and in that continuum space looking at each piece and part of the content along the way Right. So, you know what the entry content is for when they're completely ob- oblivious to their there being anything, you know, even wrong with them. Right. To the afflicted sort of phase where you know that um, they, they kind of know that something's wrong, but they don't know what to do about it. To that informed phase where they're really ready to make that buying decision and purchase a product or service in the, the first place. You know how to split up your content in those chunks and you know how to do it in the course to carry on in that informed phase. Right. So... When you're looking at this, at that point, if you've got it so dialed in that you know the purpose, and I mean really clear, know the purpose of each of the videos and each of these segments, you know their outcome, what they're supposed to achieve, what they're supposed to understand and what they're supposed to be able to do as a result, and that's a really important key there, um, you can at that point ask your people, you know, how comfortable are they with this information? Because sometimes you don't need everything. Mm-hmm. You know, if I were to take a social media course now, I could promise you there are a lot of things that I don't know anymore. I mean, Facebook just came out with stories at the top of the thing. And I'm like, well, I don't really know how to use uh, stories to market. Like, I never really got into it on Snapchat. I'm not too big into Instagram. I don't know how to use this as a marketing tool. So I'd want to know that. But if you started off the video with how to get a Facebook account, that, that's for a different learner. That's for- <laughs> You know, that's, that's for, you know, someone else. I mean, even my great aunt Barb has a Facebook account, but people are still including that in some of their courses, right? Mm -hmm. You know, the, how, how to log in and the basic information I'm saying, like, break up your content so small, so minute that you can survey people to have them skip the stuff that they don't need. Hmm. You know, if it's not something that you say so drastically different than everybody else, can they already know how to set up a YouTube channel? can they already know what an email responder is uh, a responder is like maybe they they you know they already are Infusionsoft certified and they're coming to you for something else like what you know what do they know and what do they need to know how fast can you get them in and out to feel the perceived value and feel the feeling that you promised in the copy
0: okay so is it uh, i guess does the research show that the reason why people don't complete courses is because they're they're too long or they're not relevant to what the person thought the course was going to be about, or they just get bored? What, what's, uh, usually the factors that I guess cause, you know, what is it? 97% of people to drop off.
1: I know a lot of things. I mean, a, a lot of things, definitely. Boredom is, is definitely part of it. You know, we're competing against, you know, um, game of Thrones, you mm-hmm. know, like <laughs> you are not daredevil. Like you, you just, you, you know, we're not that interesting, right. <laughs>
0: you
1: know, that is a part of it. Um, you know seminars which is a learning uh, management software out of Austin Texas they did a study and found that most people fall off their videos at the 7 minute mark okay um so that i encourage clients to do 3 to 5 minutes hmm. you know as a start um and you know there's a lot of different things to do along the way accountability is huge and gamification is definitely a part of that accountability piece as far as moving people along having once you know what those chunks are You can very easily have milestones. And once you know what the milestones are, you can very easily reward people for reaching them. Right. You know, Um, absolutely. Or for quality of work, if you really want to take it further. You know, maybe they are supposed to be able to design a website at the end of it. Maybe you score their websites.
0: Hmm. Okay.
1: You know, and then at that, if they they win based on whatever you set up as the criteria, call them rubrics in education, but you set up the criteria of what they're going to, you know, Um, have to have on there and to what level they're going to have to have it there, then at that point, they have the option to win something exciting. Maybe they get an extra, you know, day of coaching with you or something, you know, something that's valuable enough for them to want to proceed. Or maybe it's like a copy of your favorite book, you know, Uh, extra attention. I'll look at your website for 30 minutes or whatever it is, you know, to really move them along.
0: Hmm. I like that so what so let's uh let's kind of talk about the flip side of this. Do you have any advice for someone on the other side the the learner to help them complete a course like what should they be doing uh if they get into this course and they're like, "I know I should be finishing this thing, but for some reason I'm dragging my feet with it uh is there are, are there any tactics that that person can do to to help i guess push themselves along
1: Smack their face. Um. <laughs> You know, honestly, aside from setting calendar reminders, you know, putting it on your whiteboards, I mean, just really kind of the basics of, of, uh, you know, adulting, (laughs) responsibility management, Mm -hmm. there's really nothing else. You know, you you do it or you don't, you know, I think a lot of things come down to mindset, right? I was listening to somebody a while ago and I don't remember who it was, but one of the things they said in their uh, talk was the, the worst person that you can lie to is yourself true. (laughs) So if you say that you were going to complete it, I mean, and and be firm with it and firm with your intention, then you will, you know, or you won't, and then you have other things to look at. Right.
0: Right. Um. (laughs) So, uh, you know, I'm I'm also curious, um, you, you were talking earlier about, uh, the issues that you had and the issues that other people had with the school system. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a little bit off-topic, but it's kind of interesting. Like, what what exactly do you think is is um, is wrong with the school system today, and what what sort of things have you seen that work? Like, what did what does your teacher do that that worked with you, that worked for you, that um, and that you did with other students that worked for them? That I guess other people aren't using.
1: Sure, sure. So yeah, what's wrong with the school system today? I've been out for so long now that I couldn't even probably give you a full list. I mean, the best thing, <laughs> the best okay. thing would be to talk to a teacher on that. Honestly, I, you know there are a lot of really dedicated, awesome people that are in it um, that, that don't do it for the salary. I guarantee you that just do it for the love of children. That either don't have access to the right information or by restrictions made to do things that don't that aren't necessarily in the best interest of children. Um, and and so much has been done as far as reforms to make that better, but um, it, you know it just comes so far, it, it comes so fast at you that it's it's really hard to keep up even. Um, honestly, uh, you know, I, I felt like I excelled in the classroom, but it just, it's still, it's, it's difficult. It's not an easy, easy thing to do as far as, you know, what to do it really, when you're looking at an individual and you have that ability to do one on one attention, it's really about the point of diagnosis, right? Of figuring out how they work and figuring out what they need. And, And there's no blanket statement for that, um, what I encourage people to do in online course creation, in the method that I've created, um, that's, that's based on over 500 research studies, it's really about combining different tactics that work in general for different types of learners. So things that I address inside of my course are to get course creators to look at things like learning modalities um, as far as understanding you know auditory, uh, visual and kinesthetic, Um, as far as like, I mean, just a simple thing that you could do if you're creating video, take your video, strip the audio. Now you have the audio file. Maybe somebody wants to listen to it in their car on the way to work, you know? So there's the next thing, have it transcribed, print that out, you know, there's the next level, right? And, and so having different options for people inside of that, um, I also encourage people to look at something called, um, Gardner's, um, multiple intelligences theory, which sounds complex, but it's really not. It's just basically the concept that we're all intelligent in our own way. You know, um, for instance, if I was stranded on the side of the road, I would have like absolutely no idea how to, um, fix my car. It's, it's not Mm -hmm. my intelligence. Mm -hmm. I could talk about stats all day with you, um, and courses, but I couldn't fix my car. It's not in my wheelhouse. Um, So looking at, and you can take the multiple intelligences assessment for yourself and determine, like, what your strengths are, but knowing that there are different, you know, different ways that people are strong in, and you can look at all of that online, um, and really kind of hitting three or four of those intelligences inside of every course um, so that you're really reaching out to people and meeting them where they're at. There are like nine total, and if you hit four, you've pretty much hit each person because we don't just have one. Like, I'm not just nature intelligent. I'm nature intelligent. I'm uh, intrapersonal. I'm musical. I'm, you know, there's a lot of different labels there. So that's definitely a way as well, you know. But you know, you're trying to create a static product in which you are differentiating by process to meet, the needs of everybody because you won't be able to diagnose people because Mm. it's a static product. (laughs)
0: Right, right. You know. Okay, that makes sense. Well, uh, Carrie, I'm really happy to have you on the show. Uh, I, I think that, you know, you're... What you're doing for course creators is something that really needs to be done. And uh, as I said, I've had <laughs> my share of courses that I've, I have not completed that I wish that, you know, maybe some people took this course. And I'm sure a lot, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting because I'm sure it's like part of it's on the course creators, part of it's on the, the you know, the public just not having the attention span <laughs> to, to do the things that they <laughs> say they're going to do. But, uh, yeah, anything you can do to help move that needle forward uh, is, is great. So, um, yeah, I really appreciate you coming on.
1: Definitely. You know, it's always the responsibility of the communicator to make sure the message has been received and understood. So we Mm -hmm. can't blame our purchasers or our consumers. What we have to do is assist them the best way we can. I know we've tried our best and at that point go, okay, guys, it's up to you. Right. (laughs) Right. Right. You know?
0: Yeah. But giving the creators the the tools they need is is, uh, incredibly helpful. So I want to know before we close out, where can the uh, baller circle learn more about you and your business?
1: Well, all ballers are welcome at uh, brandlegend.us is our website. If they want to do some more research, they can chat with us there on our little Facebook Messenger app um, from our website directly. That's kind of cool. I love technology. Um, They can also find us inside of the Of Course community on Facebook. So if you just go into the search bar and type Of Course but put it as one word instead of two, um, you'll find our community, and it's got some really great people inside of it—some really high-level marketers and uh, thoughtpreneurs in the industry that have been doing online courses, and some newbies that are getting started. And it's it's great to see the journey and how helpful people are in there. I'm just I'm really proud of that group. I really I love everybody in there so much. So it's a it's a it's a great little group. I'd love to have your community join us. So,
0: awesome, sounds good. Well, I'm sure I'm Yay, sure many yeah. people will brandlegend.us, and of course, uh, of
1: course. Winner. Yeah, that's a great. I love that.
0: I love that name. That's a good name. Yeah. Yeah,
1: I like it. Jay Bear came up with it for us. So I, I did not create it. I was like, oh, that's brilliant. I wish I made
0: that. Hey, it's good to have people in, in your circle that you can get good ideas from. That was Dr. Carrie Rose from Brand Legend. You can connect with Dr. Rose at brandlegend.us or connect with her on her Facebook group. Of course, is the name of the group spelled uh, one word. Uh, and uh, you type it in the Facebook, you can join the group. There's a lot of great uh, course creators, entrepreneurs in the group, uh, people to connect with, get some great ideas, uh, and share your own in the group. Uh, so thanks for being awesome and joining us on another episode of the Internet Ballers podcast. If there's a guest you would like to hear on the show or a topic you would like to get covered, that uh, has been covered before or you'd like to you just hear it again, shoot me an email at michael at com, and I'll see what I can do to make that happen. Uh, also, be sure to listen to Nick's next week episode with uh, Manny Vea from 2000books.com. Manny will be talking about how he was able to Uh, quit his job as an engineer and replace his income with his online company that sells book summaries. In the meantime, you can check out the blog post for this episode as well as listen to other episodes of the Internet Ballers podcast at www.internetballers.com. Again, I'm Michael Pasha and happy marketing. Thanks for listening to the Internet Ballers podcast. Through our guest stories, you will learn the path to go from struggling entrepreneur to internet baller. We'll see you on the next episode.